Welcome to Bhagavad Gita class, week 30, and we're happy to have you. Remind us your name. Uh, this is Achita Priya Devi Dasi. Very happy you're with us. Where are you coming from? Uh, I'm from Phoenix, okay. uh, so the family moved uh, last year, last uh, April, uh, May around, but I still work in Phoenix. You still work? Oh, okay, yeah. Madison Nominee told you have two children? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wonderful. So I'd like to join you for the book distribution. Yes, you can come on Harinam after. Yeah. Are, you, are your kids going to come on Harinam too? Today they are not. Not today, it's okay. They're tough kids, so. Okay. <laughs> we'll, work, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. <laughs> we have some other kids here that go, so maybe if they see the other kids, sometimes they go. Okay, so we are on chapter 7, Bhagavad Gita, as it is. We'll be finishing up chapter 7 today, um, text 20 through 30. Um, so last week, of course, chapter 7 is knowledge of the Absolute. And Krishna started off the chapter by saying, one who practices this yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, um, they can know me in full, free from doubt. So he gives that um, promise. And last week we were discussing Krishna's powerful material energy, and how without... Surrender to Krishna. It's very difficult. It's actually impossible to overcome that material energy. And then Krishna began speaking about the type of people who cannot come to him. Grossly foolish, lowest among mankind, those whose knowledge has been stolen by illusion, and those who partake in the atheistic nature of the demons do cannot approach him. And on the other hand, those living entities that do approach Krishna, they are those seeking wealth. Um, let's see. Those who are suffering and those who are curious are those who are seeking knowledge of the Absolute. I think I attached the wrong document here. Good thing I remembered those. 7-3. Oh, okay, I did. That's, that's what happened. At least I got the right one for today. Okay. So we are going to further um, enter into that nature of the Absolute um, today. And we would like to now hear from you. So if you'd like to share your discoveries, would you like to start? Okay. What we do here, uh, Achutta Priya, is that right? Okay. What we do is we, during the week we do a reading, so we all read together. And then when we come, we share um, our discovery. And then we give understanding, and then we, how we can apply it to our life. Mm-hmm. Like that. So if you like, I can, afterwards I can take your email address, and you can get the worksheets, and, and you can do with us. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Because you'll be here every weekend, right? Yeah. Okay. I would like to read text. Uh, my discovery is in text 21. Yeah, 721. In the purport, there's a lot of there's a lot of nectar in the purport, and I would just like to you know uh, to read it and then just kind of um, to kind of give my understanding and realization from that. We welcome nectar here. Yeah. Okay. So in this verse, it says, "I am in everyone's heart as a super soul. As soon as one's desire to worship some demigod." 
I can make his face steady so that he can devote himself to that particular deity. And automatically, I think, you know, even though it may be, I, Krishna is always reciprocating with us, even if it's, um, even if it's a materialistic desire or any sort of, de any sort of desire that arises within us, Krishna is always there and he's always reciprocating us that no matter what it is. Uh, so in the purport, God has given independence to everyone. Therefore, if a person desires to have material enjoyment and wants very sincerely to have such facilities from the material demigods, the Supreme Lord as super soul in everyone's heart, understand and gives a facility to such persons. So Krishna sees that desire in our heart. And and from, from his love, um, which is completely unconditional, he reciprocates with us. No matter that desire, so and then it keeps on, it keeps on going. Um, as the supreme father of all living entities, he does not interfere with their independence, but gives all facilities so that they can fill their, fulfill their material desires. So he doesn't interfere with their dependence, even though they're completely dependent. Yet they don't know. So, like, um, like even here in this material world, like you know, you know. The living entity chose to turn away and independently from Krishna because they had a desire to. So he fulfilled that desire by creating this, this basically this whole cosmic manifestation, so they can live out their desires. But it's like, it's like Krishna knows, like in the end, you're gonna come back to him, because those desires are not gonna be completely fulfilled. Only by him, those desires can be completely fulfilled. So in the end, like you can, you can search. So many, you, you can pursue so many different things, but in the end, Krishna knows that he'll give you, he'll give you, he'll reciprocate with those desires, but in the end, he knows that ultimately you will never feel satisfied and you'll continue to kind of, continue to, uh, you'll continue to be in that perpetual uh, cycle of like suffering, but then you'll, through that, you'll end up realizing that you want something more you want something that's you know you know that will completely fulfill you and Krishna's the only one can do that even though he's been it's like it's like weird it could, even though he's been fulfilling you all along you know like it's like all right but the the living entity has to come to that he has they have to come to that realization though and he gives them that that free will to do so that choice so, and then it keeps on going. Some may ask why the all-powerful God gives affiliacy to living entities for enjoying this material world and so lets them fall into the trap of illusionary energy. The answer is that if the Supreme Lord as Super Soul does not give us facilities, then there is no meaning to independence. There is no meaning at all. So, therefore, he gives everyone full independence, wherever one likes it. But his ultimate instruction we find in the Bhagavad Gita, one should give up all other engagement and fully surrender onto him, that will make him happy. So, in the end, the thing that's going to completely, you know, is going to make him happy and that he's going to able to directly reciprocate with you is through that devotional love. So, but the living entity and the demigods are subordinate to the will of the Supreme Lord of the Godhead. They're, therefore, the living entities can, cannot worship the demigod by his own desire. Nor can the demigod bestow any benediction without the supreme will. And I think of, I think of when we when it comes to desires, 
there's even different demigods for different desires that the living to living entity has there's different bodies you know that we are you know due to our desires there's there's so many varieties of living entities because we have a certain particular unique desire and he he grants that you know he fulfills that you know you see that? Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah. It says it in. Yeah. It's gonna. It's gonna go. It's gonna go. Yeah. It's, exactly. All right. So. Uh, so it's not a blade of grass moves without the will of the supreme personality Godhead. Generally, a person who has just straps in the material world go to the demigods as they as they are advised in the Vedic literature. A person wanting some particular thing may worship such and such a demigod. For example, a diseased person is recommended to worship the sun gods. A person wanting education may worship the goddess of learning, Saraswati. Mm -hmm. And the person wanting a beautiful wife may worship the goddess Uma, the wife of Lord Shiva. In this way, there are recommendations in the sastras for different modes of worship of different demigods. Because a particular living entity wants to enjoy a particular material facility, the Lord inspires him with a strong desire to achieve that benediction from a particular demigod. And so he successfully receives that benediction. That's amazing, huh? The particular mode of the devotional attitude of a living entity towards a particular type of demigod is also arranged by the Supreme Lord. The demigods cannot infuse the living entity with such affinity, but because he is the Supreme Lord, or the super soul is present in the hearts of the living entity, Krishna gives impetus to man to worship certain demigods. This is this is this 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 purport goes in. <laughs> therefore, therefore, <coughs> demigods are actually parts of the universal universal body of the supreme Lord. Therefore, they have no independence, even though they think they have, they have independence. It's still it's like everything is being basically. Ran by Krishna and controlled by Krishna. Generally, they're pious and they know. Yeah. But you're right. Sometimes they, they get fucked up. Generally, they know. Generally, the devotees who worship uh, demigods, you're saying they know that. Uh, no, ge generally, um, the demigods know that they're dependent on God because oh. they're very pious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Therefore, he ranges to the demigod. To fulfill the desire of living entity, both both the demigod and living entities are dependent on the supreme world. They are not independent. So, I think a, a practical implication of this would be to always um, remember this and to always be conscious of this. You know, like you know, and I just, for me being in Krishna consciousness, I just my desire is to love Krishna and everything. And, you know, I just want to completely align with that, you know, that supreme love, yeah. you know, Krishna's love. So. Well, people are, uh, mm -hmm. people are working for so many things. Yeah. You know, most people are working just for a check, you know. So the fact that you're, you're working, you're dedicating your life just because you want love of Krishna, that's very rare. Because yeah. most people, like, for instance, we're going out today, we're doing the book table. And we're not bringing home a penny, right, for our bank account. What's our reward? And our reward is just Prabhupada is happy with us. That's the only reward. <laughs> Besides that, what do we, like, in terms of our, like, financial um, achievement, what do we, we don't get anything. What do we get from, we, we spend a whole day 
distributing Pablo's books. There's no remuneration. So, now, I mean, not, not saying that people can also have to earn money and they do that for, to support their families in the service of Krishna. But my point is to have that be your goal is very special. So, thank you. So, I chose uh, from uh, um, 727. Um, and the uh, verse that goes with that, the text that goes with that, is that uh, O Sion of Bharata, O conqueror of the foe, all living entities are born into delusion, bewildered by dualities, arisen from desire and hate. So, <laughs> in, the, in the purport, um, it says that the uh, to understanding is really right there. It's, it's very clear in the port itself. It says, the real constitutional position of the living entity is that of subordination to the Supreme Lord, who is pure knowledge. When one is deluded into separation from this pure knowledge, he becomes controlled by the illusionary energy and cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The illusionary energy is manifested in the duality of desire and hate. So my application of that is basically chant the holy names associate with the devotees and surrender the spiritual master and follow his instructions then delusion will gradually disappear thank you saying it becomes wiped clean through that chanting process then we can see ourselves finally Okay, um, so next time you'll have something to share. So that would be wonderful. Brother <laughs> uh, Sundar, you want to share? Well, I actually chose the same one as Lila, okay. so I'm trying to change oh, something. Yeah, I mean, she gave like such a beautiful thing <laughs> <laughs> to say. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna change it. <laughs> okay, no worries, I can go. Okay, so I chose a particular verse that is cited in within the uh, purport of the twenty fourth text in the seventh chapter. Um, it is Bhagavatam 10, 14, 29. And um, uh, I'll, try to, I'll try to chant this, uh, the, the Sanskrit. Atapite deva padambujadvaya prasada lesana gruhita evahi janati tatvam bhagavan himro nachanya eko pichiram vichinvam and that says, My Lord, if one is favored by even a slight trace of the mercy of your lotus feet, he can understand the greatness of your personality. But those who speculate to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead are unable to know you, even though they continue to study the Vedas for many years. <clears throat> this is really fascinating to me. And the more I, I hear things like this, because this... this uh, this mood is throughout the entire Bhagavad Gita. It's throughout the entire Srimad Bhagavatam. And, I mean, it's just so fascinating because you realize, and I've said this before, that, you know, Krishna is not so cheap that anyone can just get access to him, you know. And that, to me, is just incredible. And I'm reminded of... Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Prabhu. <clears throat> so yeah, so I'm reminded of like um, a comparative example that I can think of off the top of my head is 
let's say you know you you know that there are people in this in this material world that are they they hold a a prominent position of power or of prestige or of status successful people or famous people for example and you know <clears throat> we might think that you know we don't really have access to these people like as as regular you know people in the material world we might not be famous but if we were to come across one we might feel lucky like if we see a, a professional basketball player we might we might get really excited and, and we might want to get their autograph and maybe even take a picture with them because we understand that it's so rare to see that person but it's not that we have any kind of personal access with that person but yet there is someone in this world who is closely associated with that person who has access to that person every single day they can see this person they can know this person personally um, in the same way for example you think of the president of the United States he holds a position of power clearly right what regular person has access to the president right so what to speak of the supreme personality of godhead right what to speak of krishna how can how can he be so accessible to someone who couldn't appreciate that you know who isn't even ready to begin to appreciate krishna and and his supreme personality and his pastimes and so to me it just it, it just really puts things into perspective when i see it when i see it that way is is giving that comparative example where we don't have access to someone like that so the only way that we can have access to krishna is by his mercy so krishna decides and it's not just by by some you know i mean i don't know exactly what is his actually i do because it says that it's pure devotional love pure devotional love like this sincere devotional service that really that you can you can own krishna he can be ours so that's what's so that's what moves krishna um nothing else moves krishna and the devotees they have this they have this secret whereas you know the materialist the intellectual who is simply trying to know god by some mental speculation is striking out every time so they they miss the forest for the trees so to speak they they get no access to who krishna is so i think this is absolutely incredible it's like it's like everything is is like password protected and and the password is devotional service and the the way that you can unlock that sweet sweet personality of krishna is by being sincere and by having the strong desire you know to want to know him to want to enter into that long lost relationship with him i think that's absolutely fascinating and it really it really excites me because i realize every day i learn something more about krishna's personality and he is truly like you know complete in all opulences and and he is the greatest i mean honestly so anyways i just wanted to share that that's my understanding of that verse my my application <laughs> is to continue to devote myself with love um to krishna and to just again just pray for his mercy because it says here that one is favored even by a slight trace of the mer- mercy of his lotus feet so that's what that's what the devotee is hankering for is for krishna's grace and his mercy and his love and that he may reveal himself to us every day all the more so um yeah that's basically it
Yeah, Krishna deserves to be famous because he actually he actually has the opulences, whereas what Prabhupada said we're like borrowing plumes, like we're borrowing Krishna's opulences, basically. So um, another thing is like Krishna is also he's taking interest, great interest in those who are not sincerely trying to approach him. Like he's hearing our our petition to know him more. And like he's hearing, like he's actually hearing you speak right now. He's hearing you speak. Say, oh, I just want to love Krishna. Krishna's hearing that. Oh, you want to love me? He's he's paying attention. And Govinda Madhav is saying, I want to devote myself more. I want to know Krishna more. He's he's listening to that, and he's thinking, this is very wonderful. Like Krishna is very sweet, and he's always conscious and present of the thoughts in our heart. So he's completely aware. And like you were saying, he gets moved by that devotion. He's exactly. he's very cognizant yes. of our development of love for him. And that's what he wants. Hmm. So. Very nice. Thank you. Yes. So another one that I loved was text 30. 730. So it goes... Those who know me as the Supreme Lord, as the governing principle of the material manifestation, who know me as the one underlining, underlying all the demigods, and as the sustaining, no, as the one sustaining all sacrifices, can with steadfast mind understand and know me even at the time of death. And I feel like the purport did like such a good job at just expanding on that. So I'm going to read it. Um, Persons acting in Krishna consciousness are never entirely deviated from the path of understanding the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In the Transcendental Association of Krishna consciousness, one can understand... How the Supreme Lord is the governing principle of the material manifestation and even of all the demigods. Gradually, by such transcendental association, one becomes convinced of the Supreme Personality of Godhead himself. And at the time of death, such a Krishna conscious person can never forget Krishna. Um, And I, I just... The word association stand out stood out to me because we were just talking about you know association and whatnot, and um, even in this verse it says like how um, association is so important because it keeps us kind of in the in the in the mood of service and it keeps us aware of Krishna, um, which is Krishna conscious, and then at the time of death it's so naturally just what we're used to that we remember Krishna and that's like the goal. So my application to this is to keep having great association, keep not deviating from trying to achieve doing more devotional service and trying to achieve doing better in my chanting and all this and attending 
more up to Mangalarti and things like that. So that would be my application. Yeah, and your data probably was mentioning that, you know, bhakti breeds more bhakti. So Krishna consciousness mm -hmm. more Krishna consciousness. Yeah. So like when you do things like spiritual practices like to Mangalarti associate devotees, things like that, it just inspires us to do it more. Mm -hmm. So it puts us in that um, positive momentum towards higher levels of Krishna consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't ever get old. It's, it's, it's eternally fresh. Um, as opposed to if you're doing the same thing again, like we were mentioning the other day, what if we had this yoga fest every single day? That would be wonderful. Every day we go out and yoga fest, hurry down, table. But it's, it's so fresh because we're actually able to see these living entities awaken a little bit. We can see the spark awaken in them. We see Prophet's books. We talked to them a little bit about Krishna consciousness. And we can see, because besides that, they're going around to this booth and that booth. They're doing this yoga program. They're going to their work. And, and it's all just within the realm of the material energy. And then all of a sudden, they meet a devotee. And that's when something really awakens. Something really starts to It's wonderful. There's nothing like that. And when we have that experience preaching, there's really nothing like that. Seeing somebody awaken Krishna consciousness. Because that's the beginning of all our spiritual Every Their whole spiritual life, their whole putting an end to the cycle of birth and death starts from that Pradarshika, partly Pradarshika who gives the path to Prabhupada. Here's the roadmap. that their daughter this past weekend just got married in the Laguna Beach uh, temple. Her daughter is a devotee, and I guess they're new here, and they didn't know there was a temple here. So I told them, and they said they would come. Wow. Yeah, their so daughter got just married got there. married to a devotee. They're both devotees, and they had their wedding in the Laguna Beach wow, uh, temple. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's sweet. Wonderful. We need to make them feel welcome and embrace them in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're visiting or anything, but they just didn't know we were here, so I told them. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing wonderful about Krishna consciousness I noticed is that any connection you make that's a genuine Krishna conscious connection, there's just a feeling that you'll never lose that. Mm -hmm. In my experience, you don't. Like, all my Krishna conscious friendships are wonderful. Like, they don't. Like, you know, like, material consciousness, you have a friend, and then, like, in a few years, it's like, do I even know you anymore? <laughs> it's kind of like, it's kind of like that, because you, you detach, and then you, you go off, and you do your other little things, and your interests change, and then you meet again, and you're like, who are you? <laughs> but Krishna consciousness is not like that. Uh, okay, so we have another devotee from Sedona. Her name is Mari Mohini. She's our god sister. She's a very nice devotee. She, she joins us online. She always sends her. So I'm going to read her contribution now. So she, let's see what she said. She wasn't feeling well today. So she was like, I'm going to get it to you by like 3.30. Just wait, it's, it's coming. <laughs> so, I promise I'll do it. So this is her discovery, 721. Um, therefore, 
This is from the purport. He gives everyone full independence, whatever one likes, but his ultimate instruction we find in the Bhagavad Gita. Man should give up all other engagements and fully surrender to him. That will make man happy. Understanding. The Lord leaves us free. If one wishes to go to the demigods for fulfillment of material desires, the Lord facilitates it and makes it possible. Nothing, not even a blade of grass, moves without the will of the Supreme Lord. But his instruction is to surrender to him. That way one will reconnect with one's constitutional position, which is to be a servant of the Lord. And that reconnecting with one's true constitutional position, one's true nature, will make one happy. Very nice. Do you notice, like, followers of Prabhupada, they start sounding like Prabhupada? I'm, I'm, read, I'm reading her, and I'm like, is, this, wait, is that Prabhupada? <laughs> All right, application. One should not go to the demigods for fulfillment of material desires, but should surrender to the Supreme Lord for the fulfillment of spiritual desires. I have surrendered to the Supreme Lord and engaged in devotional service, which I hope bring me closer to the Lord, and I am happy. And I continue to be happier and happier and to serve Krishna more and more. That is... That is assured. <laughs> Keep on going. I cheated. I had two discoveries this time. <laughs> so I was looking at some of my old, old ones, and like my first one, I had like three. I was like, why do I only have one now? Okay, so this is from 721 as well. That's the one you picked too, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I <laughs> The particular mode of the devotional attitude of the living entity toward a particular type of demigod is also arranged by the Supreme Lord. The demigods cannot infuse the living entities with such an affinity, but because he is the supreme lord of the super-soul, who is present in the hearts of all living entities, Krishna gives impetus to man to worship certain demigods. The demigods are actually different parts of the universal body of the supreme lord. Therefore, they have no independence. In the Vedic literature, it is stated, the supreme personality of Godhead, as super-soul, is also present within the heart of the demigod. Therefore, he arranges through the demigod to fulfill the desire of the living entity. But both the demigod and the living entity are dependent on the supreme will. They are not independent. So understanding, Supreme Lord Sri Krishna, the original personality of Godhead, is the knower of everyone's deepest desires and aspirations. He endlessly awards benedictions according to all those desires. However, since he is a supreme spirit, he is not directly mixed with matter and, therefore, and thereby does not give material benedictions. His agents, the demigods, facilitate material awards through the Lord's potency and sanction. In all cases, the Lord's hand is at play, either directly or indirectly. The Lord is fully present, and He is directing the wanderings of all living entities. Krishna says that in 1861. And this material energy is moving under His direction. Bhagavad Gita 9.10 So application. The Lord can easily facilitate material inclinations. He absorbs a form of subtle desire and then invigorates the living entity toward satisfaction. Since the only thing that truly satisfies is Krishna praying, my ardent prayer is that the Lord inclines my heart and unlimited desires to flow towards Him. So I'm realizing I have unlimited desires so <laughs> that flow towards Krishna. Um, the Lord reveals to us His all-attractive features to the degree we truly long for Him and endeavor to attain Him. So let me fully realize this and plead the Lord fully awaken my dormant affinity for loving devotional service unto you, unmotivated and unfettered by conflicting trivial pursuits. 
So this is the second one. This is from 723. The results achieved by the demigods' benedictions are perishable because within this material world, the planets, the demigods, and their worshippers are all perishable. Therefore, it is clearly stated in this verse that all results achieved by worshipping demigods are perishable, and therefore such worship is performed by the less intelligent living entity. Because the pure devotee engaged in Krishna consciousness and devotional service of the Supreme Lord achieves eternal blissful existence, that is full of knowledge, his achievements of those of the common worshipper of the demigods are different. The Supreme Lord is unlimited, his favor is unlimited, his mercy is unlimited. Therefore, the mercy of the Supreme Lord upon his pure devotees is unlimited. So, understanding results that are material, irrespective of their attraction to our conditioned senses, are insubstantial. Therefore, it is not intelligent to seek such rewards. On the other hand, the Supreme Lord's benediction of pure bhakti is value beyond belief and truly limitless. Application to urgently endeavor to remove desires that are material. <laughs> Which, as, as we were reading in the first, in our last session, it's impossible, Krishna's saying, it's impossible without surrender to Krishna. So it's like, remember we were talking about like those tight, um, what do we call it? We're basically bound. And only through mercy, like Govinda Mara was speaking, like a slight trace of mercy from the Lord, then we can understand. So. Okay, so the first, are you ready for the questions? Okay. What types of people worship the demigods and why do they worship them? So we have like a few questions on the, on the worship. So. They're called less intelligent people. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Anybody want to elaborate on that further? Yeah, those who are seeking some kind of material benediction, essentially. Um, you know, the materialist goes to the demigod and they think that the demigod is able to independently or independent from Krishna award them some kind of material benediction. So therefore they go, they don't realize that ultimately the benediction is coming from Krishna. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the less intelligent, the materialistic, um, the, the person who is afraid of being snatched away by the love of Krishna because then their material desires will no longer be a thing, you know. All they'll want is Krishna. You hear that a lot. You know, Guru Dev always gives that example. Someone who isn't ready, ready, who isn't ready to give up their material desires. Essentially, that person is going to the demigods. Um, yeah, and also, I would just say someone who... In India, it's very... Um, I would say it's very common for certain uh, for individuals to almost see Krishna as uh, just another another god in the mix, sort of speak. So they don't they don't understand his supreme position above the demigods. So so for them it's 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 not different, you know. It's it really isn't. So and even sometimes they they consider some demigods to be even higher. I mean which, again, is very much in, in ignorance. So I think these are the people that ultimately... And it, and it might be a cultural thing, too. It might just be something that um, traditionally, you know, certain families, they might do. They might do. And it just might be a, a custom or a practice. Um, I've seen that. I speak to Kirtan. Kirtan, 
our priest, and he talks to me. He's, he's from Nepal, and he tells me all the time that that's essentially how it is sometimes. But um, Yeah, I know. Yeah. Was, uh, just in India, they had like Durga Puja. Yeah. In this particular part of India, like Durga was like really big. And like Mumbai area. Yeah. And so it was over there. Because like, I went to South, uh, yeah. South side of India. Uh, yeah. Okay. But um, the taxi driver would take me to the airport. It's always like really amazing temples there. But, you know, I was thinking, like, I was asking him, yeah, I said, Oh, Durga, Durga. Yeah. It was like, you know, like you said, culturally yeah. Um, yeah. raising us. Yeah. We had that we had the same experience in Christianity. Yeah. Because many of us are, are raised Christian here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just um maybe may not even be really Jesus' teachings or words, but depending on the family you're brought up in, they have a particular idea about what Christianity means. Yes. <laughs> you might not even really know like, the essence of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we true. see we see that a lot. Here the point may be raised if that if demigods are different parts of the body of the Supreme Lord, then the same end should be achieved by worshipping them. However, worshippers of the demigods are less intelligent because they don't know to what part of the body food must be supplied. And some some of them are fool are so foolish that they claim that there are many parts and many ways to supply to supply food. This isn't very sanguine. <laughs> can anyone supply can anyone supply food to the body through the ears or the eyes? They do not know that these demigods are different parts of the universal body of the Supreme Lord, and in their ignorance, they believe that each and every demigod is a separate god, and is the competitor of the Supreme Lord. Yeah, that's perfect. Sums it up perfectly. Yeah. So they said they less intelligent people who have lost their spiritual sense. Prabhupada said they lost their spiritual sense. Motivated. He also said motivated by small desires. <laughs> and do not know how to reach the supreme goal. As far as I understand, they don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because once once somebody has that realization, that's like a very deep realization. Um, mm. Just like Govinda Maharaj, he was reading that verse, and that's one of his favorite by the by trace of mercy. Um, also, at the end of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Bhatiya Mamani Janati. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you can only know me through devotional service. Um, so, I mean, that's what I've seen. In your experience, is that the case? That generally they, they see Krishna as another demigod? Or... Actually, my family, we all are religious. My aunt, she went to a lot of religious places. Like, um, uh, last time I took her to Puri, and she loved it. But at the same time, she cannot get, he's the supreme personality of Godhead. Mm-hmm. So, I told her, see, like, uh, every religion has a book. Christianity has Bible. Muslim has Quran and Hinduism has Bhagavad Gita. In that scripture, it's been told Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. In in our scripture, it says that. So why are we praying other gods? Mm. You know, it's like if we have to. It, it, but we all they all know Bhagavad Gita is the ultimate again. Yeah. But they they have say, faith in Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, but the thing is because of the competitive society. 
material desires are prominent. Yeah. That is the main reason. Even mm-hmm. if they know that the Supreme Personality of Godhead mm-hmm. is Krishna, they know if we go to Krishna, all our material desires are taken away. Yeah. That yeah. is the yeah. scary yeah. part that they don't yeah. want to <laughs> Yeah, and that's actually we're going to be covering some of that in the next questions. <laughs> yeah, because like for like question B says, what is the result of worshiping the demigods? Yeah. So now we're going to realize why they approach the demigods. Yeah. So what is the result of worshiping the demigods? Yeah, my dad says we don't know the next life. This life, anyway, we have this desire. So let he is very religious. Yeah. He does puja morning, uh-huh. evening. He does mm-hmm. puja. His dad and everybody like in the whole house. He always worships. But then I said, why? Just chant. And he says, I already am at the end. Why do I need to chant? We don't even know next life. So this life, anyway, I'm doing all this. So he cannot get that Krishna. I think it's the mercy. Krishna has to give that mercy, I guess. Yeah. He has you, though, so he's... But yeah, Krishna's saying right here in Bhagavad Gita, less intelligent versus yeah. the enemy God. And then he says right after that, he says less intelligent, um, see the absolute is impersonal. So he says right. both things, he, he addresses right there. Yeah. I think a lot of people too... Um, and particularly, like, what I've noticed, my personal experience, is that they, a lot of people don't really, because, because Prabhupada is saying things as it is. He's, okay, like, Prabhupada to me is like, he is taking the, the, the Vedic scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita, and he is just opening them up and making it so clear that there is no room for any kind of personal interpretation to support your sense gratification or your material desire. And I don't think Indians, or any person for that matter, is appreciative, appreciative of that if they have a material inkling. So if, if they have that, you, you see there's this tendency to want to almost like disregard Prabhupada's purports. And, and maybe gravitate towards another form of Gita that's a little bit more esoteric, that they can kind of read into, so to speak. And I, I noticed that too. Is that is that very common? Would you say as well? Yeah. Yeah. Try to just change it little yeah. bit. So yeah. Yeah. Right. Excuse me. You remember a tool that woman yeah. that came up for the table, and she was she was saying about Bhagavad Gita. She's like, I re- I was reading Bhagavad Gita, but it's too difficult for me. Do you have something simple? Remember? <laughs> yeah. It's too difficult for her because she still has those material desires in her heart, mm. and she's projecting herself on the. Just yeah, like she's reading. Just like my sister. Yeah. My sister is in Canada. She's in Canada. Uh-huh. I told her, why you talk about all this? Like, whenever I talk about Krishna, she says, I'm busy. And then she hangs up. Uh-huh. I said, like, one day, why do you do that all the time? She said, I read. I read Bhagavad Gita. I read Bhagavad so many times. I don't understand anything, she said. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bhakti Mama Auntie. I can only be known through devotional service. Even see. these big scholars, they can't understand Bhagavad Gita. Right. <laughs> yeah. That was that was my personal experience myself, directly. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, because uh, for me, I was you know I was kind of practicing Buddhism, so it was impersonal. You know, and and all Ramana Maharshi, you know, you know the non-dual type of nature things, because 
I didn't want to give up these ideas that, oh, I am, I am one with God, I am God, so, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. And it was, it was this kind of false ego that led to that sort of idea. And so when I first read, uh, really started to try to read the Bhagavad Gita, I thought it was wonderful. The only thing that, that and I was talking about that in the previous talk, the only thing that I turned me off was Prabhupada's reports. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, seemed, it seemed like to me that it was like, oh, geez, he's just knocking everybody else. You know, that's not right. You know, I mean, what, you know everybody should believe what they want to believe. <laughs> you know, that type of hippie sort of idea of things. And so now I back reflect on that and I go, oh, my goodness. Oh, geez, you know, it's so lost. So, you know, and I'm still, you know, but, but it's, but, you know, you really see that now. You know, I was seeing it earlier, but I didn't want to really hint. Yeah. You know, it's weird. For any kind yeah. No. Of false interpretation yeah. within the scriptures. And I think that is so genius. But at the same time, for someone who isn't sincere, that is going to be the thing that turns them off. Exactly. It, it, you just see it. It happens. And I've been experiencing that. Even people that come here to even Krishna me, cult. Even me, yeah? when I go into the office, yeah. suddenly my brain changes sometimes. Oh no, I have to work and I am done. Like, okay, mm. let me just do this. Probably I need more energy. Let me just do this kind of thing. And then I come back, I read back and then, no, what I'm doing was wrong. Then I, it's like I have this real still. It's mm. not like complete. Yeah. And material association pulls me back. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They make you think what's important is not important and what's not important is important. <laughs> what I would think is like um, I initially wanted like the purpose I started is like I became um, very morose. I came because of the distress into this. So when everything is going good suddenly then I feel you know everything is rosy now then I'm happy kind of. So it was the material desire which pulled me into the devotional service. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm like working and all, everything is going good, then I say, it's okay. I can just, uh, I'm happy kind of thing, that uh, small mm-hmm. portion of it. And then suddenly Krishna pulls me back again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you uh, this a mini story real quick. You, you may have heard this about somebody, he was, um, they, were, they were adrift on the, on the ship. Mm-hmm. And he was praying, this man was praying to God because they were going to die. And he said, Lord, if you, if you save us, I will give you everything I own. Everything I will give to you. And then, like, ten minutes later, they see some land in the distance. And they're so happy, you know. And then he starts rethinking. He thinks, Lord, I will give you 75% of everything that I own if you save me. It's me. <laughs> All of us. And he gets, he gets closer and he keeps on changing it. And then when he, when he goes off into the sea, he says, oh, you know, later, Lord. the reason is like I have a place in India then I was thinking if my kids get settled without paying too much money for their education Krishna that is yours I said I told him and then suddenly my sister calls me and says "Mm, dad they need some place to stay because they're already having good place everything is good but the competition is so high so, like, she keeps on saying, we have to take care of them. And so I said, okay, I'll build the house there. And then I'll give it to them now. 
where did my word went that I will give it to the house. Then I was like, okay. Then I called them. Okay, I'm coming. This actually last month I said, I'm coming to build the house there. And then, um, uh, unfortunately, my father-in-law passed away last March. And within one year, we are not supposed to take any auspicious activities. And then um, one of my sister-in-law said, you cannot do any auspicious activities because it's not one year yet. And I said, that's true, Krishna, now I understand. <laughs> you put me back, then I cancel my ticket. Oh. It's like, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you said you would use that. run through these real quick. Fine, yeah. So what is the result of worshipping the demigods? Does anybody want to read that? It's almost like 23. Okay. Yeah. So, right. So basically, 723, it says, men of small intelligence worship the demigods and their fruits are limited and temporary. Those who worship the demigods go to the planets of the demigods, but my devotees ultimately reach my supreme planes. In the purport, it says, part of the report, it says, the results achieved by the demigods' benedictions are perishable. Because within this material world, the planets, the demigods, and their worshippers are all perishable. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's clearly stated in the verse that all results achieved by the worshipping of the demigods are perishable. And therefore, such worship is performed by the less intelligent living. Very good. Okay. So then the next, the final question is, discuss some of the points in the verse in Purport to 728, which relate to how one becomes qualified to engage in the service of the Lord. Um, I have a few points here. So persons who have acted piously in previous lives and in this life and whose sinful actions are completely eradicated are free from the dualities of delusion. Hmm. So <clears throat> this is really interesting, actually, because... Well, anyway, let's, let's see what the purport says. So those eligible for elevation to the transcendental position are mentioned in this verse. For those who are sinful, atheistic, foolish, and deceitful, it is very difficult to transcend the duality of desire and hate. Only those who have passed their lives in practicing the regulative principles of religion, who have acted piously and who have conquered sinful reactions, can accept devotional service and gradually rise to the pure knowledge of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Then gradually they can meditate and trance on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is the process of being situated on the spiritual platform. This elevation is possible, so here's the answer here. In Krishna consciousness and the association of pure devotees. From the association of great devotees, one can be delivered from delusion. So it is stated in the Srimad Bhagavatam that one, that if one is actually wants to be liberated, he must render service to the devotees. Mahat sevam dvaram mahur vimukte. So um, Buri John Prabhu, in his um, commentary, he kind of elaborates on what Prabhupada says. Um, pious persons are qualified to take to the devotional service, not exactly because of their piety, but because their piety attracts a pure devotee's mercy. It is the mercy of the Lord's devotee and nothing else that destroys sins and establishes faith in bhakti. Thus, it is the bhakta's business to distribute Krishna consciousness to others. 
Srila Prabhupada writes, all the devotees of the Lord traverse this earth just to recover the conditioned souls from their delusion. Srila Baladeya Bhushan's comments points directly to the unique magnanimous contribution of Srila Prabhupada. But do we ever find devotion for you and anyone? It seems that this world it seems that this would not be the case, judging by your statement that all beings are create are a creation in creation are born into delusion. So everybody's born into delusion. So but do we ever find devotion for you and anyone? So this is answered. Those living beings who have received the merciful glance of the topmost pure souls will have all their sinful reactions destroyed. As stated, stated in the Shruti, the personal servants of the Lord Vishnu wander this world to purify the conditioned souls. What characteristics are found in those who receive such mercy? This is answered by the phrase punya karmanam. Their activity of taking the darshan of great souls is punya, attractive or charming. Becoming firm in their vows and gaining determination by virtue of the association of great souls, they are free from the delusion of duality. Coming to, the, to understand the truth about me, they engage in worshipping me. How munificent, then, was Srila Prabhupada. He so widely cast his purifying glance that it fell upon even the impious and those engaged in most unfortunate works, and thus he created their punya karmanam. So this is Lord Jaitanya's um, messenger, Srila Prabhupada is. General, field, field, of Lord Jaitanya. Even those who generally, because they don't, they're not pious, so it's very difficult to achieve that that mercy. Um, just like we, we hear about when uh, Narada Muni comes across Nalakuvara and Manigri, and they're engaged in pious activities, so he curses them. <laughs> so, but instead of um, again, the weapons, instead of the weapons of the Chudrachan Chakra and the club, we have the merciful glance of Lord Jaitanya and his associates. Um, and us this just causes mercy. So now it's our duty to distribute that. <laughs> and we're going to do that soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs>